0: Welcome to the show. The
1: heat of summer is here, and fire restrictions are in effect on many of our public lands, whether they be federal lands like Forest Service lands and Bureau of Land Management lands, or state lands, not just state parks, but also fish and wildlife areas, or county lands. A lot of places you can't have a campfire right now unless it's in a established fire pit, and even then you might not be able to have a fire. So you'll want to check to make sure before you put some wood in there and light it up and enjoy an evening around that campfire. There are always those propane fire rings. I've got one, and it seems to come in handy these days because we seem to see these fire restrictions every year. And the reason we have them is because we have wildfires in increasing abundance every year here in the western U.S. too. Speaking of that, here is a suggestion when it comes to tending to your campfire – before you leave drown it out in other words make sure that it's wet make sure that it's cold there's no smoke stir it with a stick and when it's cool to touch it's okay to leave I literally was camping next to a, a family at a state park a couple of years ago and nice folks they said hey feel free to have some of our campfire wood were leaving and they left and we went over there and their campfire was blazing away they didn't even bother to put it out absolutely amazing and that is how wildfires start in many cases unattended and abandoned campfires. so be careful don't let those campfires burn after you leave this week on Northwestern Outdoors Radio, we are going to tell you about a couple of salmon derbies coming up really quick. One of them is in southern Oregon at Gold Beach. We'll be checking in with Mary Duncan about the Rogue River Salmon Derby again and getting a current fishing report because the fishing's pretty interesting down there right now. Another place where the fishing is very hot is Brewster, especially if you're into sockeye salmon, but the Brewster Salmon Derby coming up August 5th through the 7th isn't about sockeye, it's about Chinook salmon and Mike Mock, who is the tournament coordinator, will tell you about this really big fishing tournament on the Upper Columbia River at Brewster that's going to bring up to 300 anglers, all vying for a $2,000 prize to catch the king of the pool. Sticking with salmon, Bob Loomis will join us and give you some great advice on how to catch sockeye salmon out of a very popular place to go, Lake Wenatchee in central Washington. And then we're going to turn to hunting when we talk to my friend Troy Rodakowski. He's an outdoors writer, he's an avid hunter, and he actually drew another antelope tag two years in a row in Oregon, which is no easy thing to do. He's going to give you some great advice about antelope hunting that'll go far beyond the borders of eastern Oregon and share some interesting facts about antelope too. They are some very unique animals. On top of this, we've got some sad news to share. We've lost a member of our Northwestern Outdoors Radio family. We'll tell you about that towards the end of the show, along with our Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. So, let's get things started, like we always do, with another edition of Sportsman's Spotlight.
2: Good friend Christian Quested was hunting on Kodiak Island for blacktail. But on Kodiak, there are always great concerns about huge bears. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. You hear these
3: stories, if they're happy and they're full, then they don't have much interest in humans. If they're hungry, then I guess you never never know what they will do. I mean, my dad grew up in Livingston, Montana, so I mean he has countless grizzly stories that have been kind of ingrained in the back of my mind. In places like that, you carry a sidearm as well so you carry a a bear appropriate pistol if I will 10 millimeter or 357 or something like that all the time but I've really never had seen them they never really had an issue with them but it definitely makes you feel very human because those bears are really really big vulnerable yeah and the brush too the funny thing is is daytime's fun but most of the time we were walking far enough away chasing these blacktail, that we didn't get back I mean, the entire return trip was in the dark. And so, I mean, headlamps and stuff these days are, are incredible. But you still, especially when it's thick brush and you're wading through this stuff, you're just like wondering what's on the other side or whatnot. But yeah. I guess eventually you just relax and get used to it. I mean, it's definitely not concern enough to interfere with the draw
2: of wanting to go do those things. Talk about a commitment to hunt. Hope you enjoyed Sportsman Spotlight. I'm David Sparks.
1: When every moment matters, put time back on your side with Retain Plant Growth Regulator Soluble Powder. Now registered for up to two applications per season, Retain gives you more flexibility and control of your orchard by extending your harvest window. Retain is proven to reduce pre-harvest fruit drop so your yield doesn't fall to the ground. Run harvest on your schedule with Retain. Contact your local retailer or visit valent.com retain. Always read and follow label instructions.
2: For the last 40 years, the Ag Information Network has been the source of news for farmers and ranchers. Yet we have never seen such an assault on farming and our food supply as we do today. From fuel to fertilizer, farmers are facing unprecedented economic challenges. This is why agriculture news that farmers receive comes from the Ag Information Network reaching coast to coast. Deep roots in farming and decades of reporting, the Ag Information Network, trusted and transparent journalism for generations.
1: You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Our next stop today is the mouth of the Rogue River at Gold Beach. That's where the Rogue River Salmon Derby is taking place August 10th through the 13th, benefiting the curry, andronomous, Fisherman, and the volunteer-run Indian Creek Fish Hatchery. This organization runs on the Lower Rogue to produce Chinook salmon. With us here to give us a current fishing report and a preview of the derby is Mary Duncan. Mary, great to have you back on the show. Thank you so much, John. It's awesome to be here again this year. Let's talk about how the fishing is right now. We're only two weeks away from the Derby.
4: Well, we've had quite a bit of rain, which is a wonderful thing. Lots of people have been going out in the ocean and limiting out with rockfish and catching some salmon out there. And fishing at the mouth of the rogue has been steady with some really nice big fish being caught daily since the beginning of July.
1: Nice. Yep. What are the boundaries for this derby in terms of, you know, how far out can you go in the ocean, or are you limited to the bay, and how far upstream can you go on the rope?
4: You're pretty much uh, limited to the bay. You can go beyond the Patterson Bridge, which is right there on 101, right at the mouth, and you can go up to what we call Elephant Island, which is just above Indian Creek Fish Hatchery. There's just not any area beyond that that works really good.
1: Okay, that's more than fair. Now, uh, we need to remind folks that this is not your traditional salmon derby where the biggest fish wins. It's a blind bogey derby. Why don't you explain how that works and what the prizes are going to be this year?
4: All right, so the CAF, Indian Creek Fish Hatchery Derby, is a blind bogey tournament that runs from August 10th through the 13th. And weigh in for the fish, over 10-pound minimum weight, will be done by CAF members at a booth set up next to the port of Gold Beach, Fish cleaning station. There'll be an awards banquet at 5 p.m. held at the community center near the Port of Gold Beach and dinners are 20 bucks. There's also a silent auction and raffle boards with really nice gear to win at the dinner. Items include a custom wooden fishing net and a carved fish statue that people fought over last year. So same thing again this year. We have this wonderful man that builds these custom fishing nets that are just gorgeous. And then this wonderful wooden carved fish was the event excitement last year, and so we made the dude do it again. So we're going to have another carved fish that's just beautiful. We also have guided trips that are silent auction, artwork, things like that. Jerry's Jet Boats, which is you can get on a boat and go up the river 60 miles and just have a wonderful time. They play in the water. They spin you around and get you wet in these really nice, beautiful boats, and we're giving away a couple of those.
1: All right, Mary. Well, let me reel you back in and get back to exactly how the blind bogey portion of this works.
4: Okay. The blind bogey winning number is drawn at the banquet, and the closest fish weight to the drawn number wins the derby. So it's not biggest fish. And there's a second prize, third prize, and then we have um, a tribute to a gentleman that was a member who passed, and his name is Mike Kopek, and um, we have an award that's given specifically in his name. So first prize, $1,000, half of the prize is in cash, half is in gear, second prize, $500, 3rd prize, 250 and Mike Kopek award is $100. All
1: right, well... Let's talk about how to catch these fish, and we'll start off fishing from a boat in the bay. How would you recommend folks rig up for a chance at a salmon?
4: Well, the cool part about fishing in the bay this year is that we've had the Patriot dredge in the bay since the 1st of June, and the water flow is just fantastic. Fish are all holding up a lot better at the mouth. It's just really, really nice, so... We've had pretty good success since they started dredging. The boat traffic isn't quite as crazy. Most people troll the bay with a setup known as the Rogue River Setup. And this is a length of leader, a spreader, a weight on one side of the spreader, and then that has a, a cannonball. And then a leader is attached to a swivel. There's a double hook with an anchovy. And if you want, you can put a spinner blade on the above the hooks. A lot of people go with uh, the Oregon colors. which is green and gold.
1: (laughs) So you're saying that orange and black doesn't work there?
4: Well, (laughs) it's possible, but uh, apparently the the really bright chartreuse green and really like flaming yellow uh, with a hammered back, and it's like a gold hammered back, just really does a trick.
1: Is anybody using like triangle flashers or dodgers on top of this or not?
4: They are this year. Okay. It's interesting because all the other rivers, when you could fish them, which you can't right now, people would use those long square ones. And now there's a new design that North Country Lures and Flies up in Florence just came out with. It's really cool. It's kind of like a little triangle with a bent in. And I haven't tried it yet. He gave me one to show it off and see how it works. So we'll be experimenting on the river this year.
1: There you go. Now, you can also catch salmon from shore. Here's my question Where are folks catching them from shore? And the second question, how are they catching them?
4: Well, it's not that easy from shore, but it can be done. They seem to toss spinners from the bank, bright colored hot pink. There's something called a hoochie mama, which is like a squid looking unit with really, really bright green or pink or yellow. And I would suggest any stream that empties into the river is going to be a good place to bank fish. Indian Creek empties into the river right there near the mouth, just up a bit, and that's an excellent place. That's where people do most of their bank fishing when they're at the mouth.
1: Now, a lot of our folks don't live in the Gold Beach area, so they're going to need a place to stay. I'm guessing Jot's Resort is a good option. What are some other places they can stay, either in a hotel or with an RV?
4: Okay. So, um, yeah, Jots is an excellent place. We've got places, uh, motels. There's vacation rentals that you can check on if you go online. Like you said, the RV parks. The port actually has a camping place that's just beautiful up the river called Huntley Park. And it's like $10 a night there. And they have everything, with the vault toilets, and, but it's just a beautiful setting.
1: Oh, it sounds fantastic. All right. Well, again, folks, it's the Rogue River Salmon Derby. It's taking place August 10th through the 13th. The award dinner takes place 5 p.m. on the 13th. They will draw the winning weight, and with any luck, a salmon that you catch over 10 pounds is a Chinook just might be the winner, get you $1,000. And even if it isn't, it's a great excuse to go fishing, and it all benefits a great organization that's running a volunteer-run salmon hatchery right there on the Lower Rogue. Pick up your tickets at the Rogue Outdoor Store, and I guess I should ask, where else can you pick them up, and what's the price this year?
4: All right, tickets are on sale again at Rogue Outdoor Store with Jim Carrey, but we're also having them for sale at Jot's and Lex's Landing, and they're 30 bucks, and that for the entire tournament.
1: $30 apiece. It's a very good cause. You can fish as much or as little as you like, but either way, make plans to be in Gold Beach August 10th through the 13th, and try your luck in the Rogue River Salmon Dairy. Mary, thanks as always. All right. We will see everybody there. Woohoo! Next, I don't know if I mentioned how things went up in Alaska this year at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. I can tell you we had a great time, and we came home with a bunch of halibut and some Pacific true cod. I always love both of those fish, but we didn't come home with a lot of salmon. They just weren't in yet. Faith and I both got a king, and a couple of anglers on our boat got silvers. But all in all, the uh, salmon flays we brought home, pretty slim, so... I am going shopping, I'm doing so online, and you know where I'm going to be at, SinaSea.com. That is the company that provides wild-caught Alaskan salmon, premium quality, from the Copper River and the saltwater right by the Copper River. We're talking about Copper River Sake, we're talking about king salmon, we're talking about coho salmon, and it's all delicious. They handle it with care as soon as they catch it and then they carefully package it and they'll deliver it right to your door in perfect meal size packages they also have food bundles too if you want a variety of different types of fish and some spices and accessories find out more at senasea.com that's s-e-n-a-s-e-a.com for senasea.com and don't forget to use the promo code outdoors radio for 10 percent off your entire order
0: Are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program, and the fish are biting. Here's how it works First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure nine inches or longer. The fish are worth six, eight, or ten dollars, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth five hundred bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org.
2: From a bull elk ripping a bugle across a valley to wingbeats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today.
0: Back with more of the great outdoors on Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. We've got a special Max
1: Minute for you today, and we're going to be focusing on sockeye fishing at Lake Wenatchee in Washington Central Cascades. With us here to tell you exactly how to do this and get some of those sockeye to your boat is Bob Loomis. Bob, great to have you on the air. Thanks, John. So let's talk about the sockeye lure anglers ought to use for success at Lake Wenatchee during the month of August.
2: John, there's a lot of things that you can use, but some of the stuff that I'm going to start out with right off the bat is the Double Whammy Sockeye Pro. The Double Whammy Sockeye Pro is uh, high UV beads or glow beads with a smile blade on there. Just a basic setup. It's great for attraction for the Sockeye. Works fantastic behind a Double D Dodger. You know, you can slow troll it. You get the added movement, the color, the flash. It works really, really well for the Sockeye up there.
1: So a couple of questions when it comes to this. When When you're tying this Sockeye rig behind the Dodger, I've heard that for Sockeye, That you use a really short leader. How short should you go? Well, the typical rule of thumb
2: on any type of leader length compared to your Dodger is two and a half times. I'll tell you quite truthfully with the large eight inch double D I've fished as short as seven inches. Wow. I mean, and what it does is it just, it imparts a
1: tremendous amount of movement on the lure. Okay. So we'll just go ahead and say anywhere from seven to 18 inches then? Correct. All right. What about speed? Well, speed for sockeye, you're going to want to fish slow. It's like fishing kokanee. It's not like out in the
2: saltwater uh, fishing for Chinooks or Silvers where you're having to fish up around 2.5 to 3 miles an hour. You know, you're fishing down in that 1.1, 1.3 miles per hour range. So you're, you're slow trolling, and that's why the double D
1: works really well along with that uh the sockeye pro all right it's the max sockeye pro and the max double d dodger your one-two punch for lake wenatchee sockeye this summer look for them at sporting goods stores in central washington or online at maxlure.com. Hot summer nights mean hot morning fishing for sockeye here in the Northwest, and Max Lure Company has got what you need to catch a limit with the Double D Dodger and two great sockeye rigs. The Double D Dodger has a unique fast slow action and can be fished away from the boat without a side planer. The Cha-Cha Sockeye Rig and Double Whammy Sockeye Pro both feature a patented smile blade and two stout red hooks that won't let go of that salmon when it bites. Max Lure Company, getting you into the sockeye this summer.
2: backcountryhunters.org. Join the fight for our public lands and waters today.
1: I'm gonna take you fishing, honey. You're gonna love it. You're gonna get up before the sun rises above us. You're back in with Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Earlier in the show, we told you about the Rogue River Salmon Derby that's taking place in August at Gold Beach, but we've got another salmon derby to tell you about. This one is the Brewster Salmon Derby. This one's taking place on the Upper Columbia River. The date's August 5th through the 7th with the Skippers meeting on August 4th. With us here, to tell you more about it, it's the tournament coordinator, Mike Mock. Mike, great to have you on the air. Hello, John. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So the Brewster Salmon Derby, it's put on by the Chamber of Commerce. It's a big deal. How many anglers or boats typically participate in this? Yeah, so the derby
5: was given back to us two years ago last year, and then we're doing it this time just for the Chamber. And last year, we, it was pretty slow. We only had like 97 boats. But we will take up to 300 tickets, and so you figure probably half of those have boats. So, yeah, we'll take up to 300 people. So
1: There's some pretty good prize money, too. I understand that the biggest king of the tournament, the king of the pool, is $2,000. The biggest Chinook caught by an adult is $1,500 for youth between 9 and 14, 550 and youth under 8, 100 Here's a question. If you're an adult and you catch the king of the pool, do you get... Two thousand dollars, or do you get thirty five hundred for having both the biggest fish as an adult and the biggest fish overall?
5: Okay, no. See, they split that up. The king of the pool is the biggest fish of the derby. Okay, and then the second biggest fish is first place gotcha. adult.
1: Yeah. Okay, that would be and assuming it's an adult. That would be the adult winner. Yeah. Okay.
5: Now there's some well, side pots on this well. too. Tell me about that. Okay, so side pots. Now it's a really popular thing. We're keeping that going. So you enter this side pot. And you bet on yourself for getting the biggest fish of the day. We have an individual and we have a a derby. So individual daily, which is the three days. You can enter that. So the biggest fish will split up that pot 75%. They get 75%. They also have a team tournament. So there's a minimum of two. And there's no limit how many people are in the team. So everybody on the boat has to be on the team if they're on the side pots. And so... They have their own side pot, and the biggest fish of the derby average for the people win 75% of that pot. All Perfect.
1: right. Well, Mike, this sounds like all sorts of fun between the the top prizes and the side pots. How do folks get tickets to participate? Okay. We, we're selling tickets online at Brewster
5: King Salmon Derby or BrewsterSalmonDerby.com is the one. And um, you can buy your tickets online there. We also are selling our side pots online and T-shirts And you can either get the T-shirts, pay a few extra dollars to have them shipped, or you can pick them up at
1: the Derby. So it's
5: all online, and that's the way we prefer it.
1: All right. So that's BrewsterSalmonDerby.com. That's the place to go for your tickets. Question, give or take, what do you think it's going to take to have the Big King in terms of how much poundage? Well,
5: last year was amazing. It was only 18-point-something pounds. And I just heard the Onassis was only like 20 pounds. So if you look at the books, a 20-pounder could, might win it, but throughout the years, it's been more like a 30-pounder. So, you know, I'm not sure how big a fish are here, John. You know, that's why we call it fishing, and we're not sure, but anything it win you know. So I'm hoping bigger than 18 this year anyway. I'm hoping it's like a 25- or 30-pound fish this year. That'd be
1: nice. Well, I know a lot of people have been up in the Brewster Pool, the Columbia River, fishing for not only Chinook, but sockeye salmon, and I understand it's been going very well. Sockeye's been killer, but the king's not so much yet. So, yeah, but they're
5: coming in. They, I, there's a thermal, and I mean, everybody I talked to today has been limiting out on sockeye, but I haven't heard of any kings being caught. So,
1: so again, folks, August 5th through the 7th for the Brewster Salmon Derby. Might be a little challenging, but you know what? Somebody's going to catch that big fish, and it might be you. Brewstersalmonderby.com is the website to go to.
5: Hey, John, I you I really need to put this bug in. VIP and USI. Insurance is our big sponsors for the Salmon Derby. We couldn't do without them. Northwest Fishing Reports is also a sponsor, as is Tonic Eyewear. We appreciate our sponsors very much. I forgot to add them in there.
1: I want to talk about a couple other things. Uh, one of them is your business, Lure Safe and Mox Fishing Stuff. You know, I really like your lure safe products i use those lure covers all the time when i'm fishing on my bass boat they really come in handy so i'm not getting tangled with my poles or my partner's poles
5: yes i yeah my business is that i love those uh, tackle covers, and thank you, yes, I keep expanding. I've made more different things for bass guys because bass guys are pretty fanatic. they got tons of tackle unlike the other guys and all <laughs> anyway, everybody's got lots of tackle, and that's what my deal is to keep tackle organized safe and it's a soft tackle alternative to putting them in a tackle box, so it's very nice. It's-
1: Well, why don't you go ahead and explain exactly what the lure cover is. And again, folks, this is for all sorts of different size lures, crankbaits or (laughs) jigs or spinnerbaits. Go ahead and explain exactly what it looks like and how it works.
5: Sure. So my typical lure cover is just a piece of vinyl, a rectangle vinyl with Velcro sewn on it, and it folds over your lure On your pole, it's a pole wrap and your lure, and it just folds over. Then um, I make them all different sizes from like 2-inch up to 12-inch to cover the 12-inch pole trolls to keep your flashers from spinning around and your your hooks from getting caught on anything can keep your poles together. It's just a nice lure cover. And then I've advanced to make ways to hold the covers, different roll-ups to keep the covers in there with the tackle in as well, and different ways to hold your your kokanee dodgers. Everybody's got a 1,000 kokanee dodgers. So I got pockets for those kokanee dodgers. I have notebooks to put those jackets in. So luresafe.com, you just need to go there and check it out. Go through the, the categories. I've got like 84 SKUs so uh, there's tons of different things. Every time some fisherman asks for something, I make it for him or try to and then put it on my market. So, yeah, it's a good deal. And not only that, it's all made right here in the USA, isn't it? You betcha. All, and most of the material, all 99% of the material USA bought, made, and I make it right here in Brewster. So, yeah, it's all American-made, made in the USA.
1: I guess that means you probably haven't had as many issues with the supply chain crisis as a lot of other folks in the industry.
5: Nope, there's not much weight. I just had to call them for some vinyl just now. There was a wait on it, and it's, even though it's made here, there's such a backlog on it because of the, everything that happened. But there now, I just called and there's no backlog anymore. So my vinyl's coming in, and everything else is made here. It's just a matter of since there was a backlog, you know, of workers, it's harder to get material. But I've, I've got supplies, I've got material, and I just got to get it made for when you order.
1: All right. Again, the website to go to for that, folks, is luresafe.com. But there's another place you sell your products to. You've got a brand new tackle shop in Brewster, don't you? Yeah, so
5: I opened up a little tackle shop here in my, uh, my lot here at the house. I have my showroom that I took to the sports shows is now turned into a tackle store. So I sell local Dodgers, Flashers, you know, lures, different things, lead, coon shrimp, um, different things that we use here in the river and around the area. Bottom bouncers and and stuff like that, and so it's mock fishing stuff. And I'm open when I'm here, and it's a nice little store. I get lots of people. I'm really busy this time of year because I have coon shrimp. I'm actually getting more red coon shrimp in today's. I'm a busy busy man, Brewster. It's 1408 Sunset Drive, so it's right by the high school, right on the way to the boat launch. It's the street you go, take towards uh Pateras the sunset, come down about a half a mile down the road. Big sign out front says mock fishing stuff, and I'm open most mornings from like 6 o'clock until 9, and I take a little break, and I'm open in the afternoons and evenings till 9. So, yeah, trying to cater to the fishermen, John.
1: Well, if you are heading towards the Upper Columbia for the fantastic sockeye run or to participate in the Brewster Salmon Derby, make sure you stop by Mike's store, mock fishing stuff right by the high school on the way to the boat launch in town, and check out his online site, luresafe.com. Again, I am a big fan of these lure covers. They work great for me, and I have no doubt they'll work great for you too. Mike, thanks for all the work you're doing on behalf of the yeah. Brewster Chamber and the Salmon Derby and everything else. We'll talk to you again soon. On on Northwestern Outdoors radio. Thank you. See you in Brewster. Got a bamboo pole and a leaky boat. It ain't much, but if you bail it little float, I'm on to take you fishing, honey. You're gonna love it.
0: Anglers are getting a raise this year with the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program, and the fish are biting. Here's how it works. First, register at a pike minnow station along the Columbia or Snake River. Next, go fishing for pike minnow and bring back all of them that measure nine inches or longer. The fish are worth six, eight, or ten dollars, and the more fish you catch, the more each one is worth. Keep an eye out for tagged fish, too, because those are worth five hundred bucks. Go fishing, make money, and have fun. Find out more at pikeminnow.org
2: backcountryhunters.org. Join the fight for our public lands and waters today.
1: Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. We've got Troy Rodakowski on the line. He is an outdoors writer and hunter that we love to talk to at this time of year. Troy, welcome back to the show.
6: Hey, John. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Troy, last year you went antelope hunting in eastern Oregon with well-known TV personality and outdoors writer Gary Lewis. And as I recall, you did not tag out last year, did you?
6: I didn't. You know, uh, I think we had four tags in our party and Gary's daughter got a really nice buck, but nobody else really had that great of a opportunity. Uh, You know, with the lack of water and the drought, it was pretty rough hunting
1: over there. How hard is it to draw an antelope tag in Oregon?
6: You know, it depends whether it's a rifle tag, archery tag, or muzzleloader tag. They're all fairly difficult. Some of them you don't need many points to get, but for the most part, you need a good handful of points, and you have to wait several years to draw a decent tag. Yeah, they call it a premier tag here in Oregon.
1: Well, in some ways, though, you got pretty lucky because I've never heard of anybody who's done this, but you actually drew another tag this year, and it's for a very good unit, isn't it?
6: I did. I put in for a different unit than I had last year and I had zero points and I somehow drew the tag. And so I I get to go pronghorn hunting two years in a row, which is pretty awesome.
1: Oh, I'll say it is. And I have a feeling it's going to go better this time compared to last time too. So let's talk about pronghorn hunting in Eastern Oregon. And for that matter, we'll talk tactics in general too. August is prime time to go in Oregon. Why is that?
5: August
6: is prime time just because it's the end of summer, fall's coming on. It's right before the pre-rut, the the antelope rut, and mainly in September. So, you know, a lot of those bucks will be rounding up some does, and it's a good time to be over there and uh, get out in the woods.
1: Well, you say the woods, but it's more like out in the sagebrushes. Yes, sagebrush,
6: exactly. Yeah, out in the outdoors. I should, yeah, woods. Yeah. But, you know, I will be honest, some of the bigger bucks are actually found in wooded areas. They've kind of figured out that that's a safer place to reside so it's every year guys kill really big bucks in some of these pine thickets and it's strange but they're kind of gravitating that way
1: i had no idea i mean you're just so used to seeing antelope on the landscape either in sagebrush areas or on egg lands that never even occurred to me to look for them in the forest let's go ahead and talk about hunting in eastern oregon for pronghorn most of pronghorn, are they on public land or are they on private land? And how hard is it to get permission to hunt on private lands in Oregon from farmers and ranchers?
6: I think that there's a good amount of pronghorn on both public and private. Uh, you know, there's a lot of national forests, BLM, that hold a lot of antelope. Then again, there, there are a lot of antelope on the egg lands and the private property ranch lands of uh, eastern Oregon and throughout the Pacific Northwest. And for the most part, if you knock on doors and ask people if you can hunt, pronghorn usually the answer is yes because they can be a nuisance and get out there in those alfalfa fields and there's just a lot of them around and a lot of those farmers and ranchers don't mind if you spend some time on their property and uh, harvest an antelope or two
1: let's talk about august antelope hunting whether you're doing it in oregon or other places around the west watering holes i'm guessing that is key in terms of success during the heat of summer
6: well, oh, it's key. I mean, uh, antelope need to come to water at least once a day, and so there there's never water far away, whether it's a little creek or a, a seep or a, a spring or watering hole that, you know, a lot of these ranchers will even haul water out for their cattle, and, you know, as long as there aren't wild horses around, which will chase antelope off, and you scout some of these watering holes, those are great places to find antelope.
1: Now, do you tend to just ambush them as they're coming to or or leaving the watering holes? Or do you have like a ground blind or maybe use decoys or anything like that?
6: So lots of people use ground blinds. Uh, Decoys work great, especially the closer you get during the rut. You know, those antelope are really territorial. They're also very curious, you know. You can uh, even put a little stick in the ground around a a watering hole and tie some toilet paper to it. And if it's flapping in the wind, that antelope's so curious, it might come to see what's going on over there. And, you know, there's so many different things that uh, a hunter can try. You know, speaking of Gary, Gary even put a turkey decoy out a couple of years ago when he had an antelope tag and he put it by the watering hole, and that antelope was so curious about that turkey decoy sitting by the watering hole that it came close enough for Gary to shoot it. So, you know, uh, antelope are amazing animals. Their eyesight's impeccable, and, of course, they survive in some of the roughest conditions in the West, out there in the sagebrush.
1: Interesting. Well, they say curiosity killed the cat, but apparently it also kills the pronghorn, too.
6: (laughs) That's the truth. That is the truth.
1: (laughs) All right. Let's talk about antelope behavior. For example, I I know they run really quick, but I also know that when it comes to fences, they don't like to hop fences, do they?
4: No, they
6: like to go under. And and it's really funny because if you've ever been around a lot of antelope and say you're driving down a a small gravel road or dirt road, you'll notice that the antelope, they don't want to let you drive by. They want to stay in front of you and go under the fence in front of you or run in front of you and so that's one of the behaviors that an antelope will do and you know uh for some reason they just they can't let the vehicle go by without being in front of it or going in front of it especially if they're already on the run so that's one of the weird things about antelope that uh, most people might not
1: know And when it comes to to scouting for antelope when you go on an antelope hunt do you usually spend your first couple of days just trying to figure out where they are, where the watering holes are, that sort of thing? Or do you already have some ideas in mind and you're just going out and setting up?
6: Yeah, what I do, I mean, I, I'll, I'll scout, you know, a month or two ahead of time. Once, you know, you've drawn a tag or have a permit, go over, check out watering holes. I mean, uh, Onyx, check your Onyx maps, you know, find out where the property boundaries are. Find where herds and antelope are and uh, find places where they're hanging out, feeding and moving from water to bedding areas. and. If you can do that and get your eyes on some good bucks, especially with good optics, and uh, put yourself in a good position to either inter- intercept them or put a blind up, you're going to be a very successful antelope hunter.
1: Let's talk about one more thing. If you're hunting antelope at this time of year, you've got to be concerned about spoilage from the heat. What do you do to prevent that?
6: So the main thing I do, you've got to get the cape off the guts out quick you got to field dress it quick, get the cape off quick, get all the hair off the meat. It's hollow hair, and it'll actually taint the meat if it's left on there. And then cool that meat down as fast as possible. So what we do is that when we're out in the desert or, you know, some of these areas that antelope like to reside is we'll take a big chest cooler, and we'll put dry ice in it, and we'll leave the dry ice in that cooler. We won't open that cooler until we harvest our antelope. And then we can either bone the antelope out or quarter it up or piece it up and Get it in that cooler with that cool ice. Or if you're close to a town, you can, you can uh, ahead of time find if there's a meat locker available. But the key is clean and cold. So if you can get your meat clean and cold as quick as possible, you know, you'll have some really great antelope meat, you know, and that's one of the biggest misnomers about antelope is, you know, you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, it tastes terrible. Well, it's probably because they didn't cool it down or clean it properly. So anyway, there's some good advice for people out there.
1: Well, great advice is always from you, Troy, and uh, there you go, folks. I hope you've taken some of this to heart and that you'll now know a little bit more about antelope behavior and have some ideas on how to harvest one once you draw a tag. As for you and your tag, congratulations. I look forward to seeing some pictures soon and the question I always ask, what articles do you have coming out people should look for?
6: Oh, I'll have a few articles on probably bear hunting, antelope hunting, Oregon hunter, Northwest sportsman, some of the uh, local regional magazines, and then, you know, as we move into fall, we'll have some waterfowl and deer hunting articles, so just, uh, yeah, keep your eyes open. Always
1: a good read. Troy, thanks as always, and good luck with the hunt.
6: Thanks a lot, John. Thanks for having me.
2: Come to Oregon's Wallawa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat and enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallawa, Imnaha, or Troy. Or you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at wallawacountychamber.com That's wallawacountychamber.com.
0: Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. We've got time for one more shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz.
1: Welcome back. Sad news to share. I've got a real hole in my heart today as I record this because I'm looking next to me in studio where normally I have a faithful companion and she's not there. That would be my Springer Spaniel, Georgia. Every day she follows me downstairs to the studio I have in our house and... She'll go ahead and plop down on the carpet right next to me or hop up onto a chair and you've probably heard her from time to time in the background, perhaps having a puppy dream or maybe snoring, I've had to definitely stop her from doing that during interviews from time to time, or maybe sneaking in a quick bite at a squeaky toy that she has between her paws. She has been a, a truly wonderful dog and we've gone on many adventures and misadventures together over the years. We got her when she was 13 months old, and unfortunately, she didn't even make it to 10. What happened? Cancer, unfortunately. Got home from Alaska, and noticed she just didn't have any stamina. She had this wheezy cough, so we took her into Cascade Vet in Leavenworth and found out through an x-ray that she had a cancerous mass around her lungs, and it had spread throughout her body. So they gave us some pain meds. And we had a good week with her where she wasn't in pain and we spoiled her rotten. We went on lots of drives to look for deer that she could bark at through the car window. We went to McDonald's or the bakery. She loves donuts and she loves plain hamburgers. And we took her to the lake one last time because she does love to swim. It was a really good week for her. But last Friday, she let us know it was time that spark wasn't there she just wasn't moving well and her breathing was labored so my daughter faith and my wife michelle and i we took her to the vet and we let her go it was very peaceful but it was very hard and there's going to be a hole in my heart for a long time especially when i look next to me and don't see that familiar faithful four-legged furry friend of mine that i've seen every day for the last eight and a half years if you've got a dog love on him They're here far too short, and maybe we love them too much, but they love us just as much or more. All right, let's move on to your Sportsman's Warehouse trivia question of the week, and of course, it's going to be about bird dogs and Springer Spaniels. There are two types of bird hunting dogs when it comes to upland game birds that go after pheasant and quail. One of them is the pointing dog. Now, the pointer, when it finds a bird, it will lock up on point and wait for the hunter to come up and flush the bird out so the hunter can shoot it. The other type of hunting dog is the flushing dog and this dog just roots around looking for the bird and the hunter better be caught up because that dog's going to flush that bird whether the hunter's in place or not. Here's your question the Springer Spaniel like my beautiful dog Georgia. Are they flushing dogs or are they pointing dogs? You know what to do if you know the answer. Go to our Facebook page at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. Like and follow the page first and go to the post thread and Give us your answer there. If you don't do Facebook, I completely understand. Just go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com and shoot us an email and let us know whether the Springer Spaniel is a flushing dog or a pointing dog when it comes to hunting game birds. One lucky person who guesses right wins that $25 gift card we give away every week from Sportsman's Warehouse, which has plenty of dog training accessories on hand. And with that, we've got to go. And we're gonna close out this show with a song from Frank Prenovost that's all about good memories. Until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. Well
0: I'll take you, you tag me back.
3: Let's put pennies on a railroad track. Fireflies in a mason jar. Hide and see, there you are, just a boy back there.
0: Didn't know anything But time's one thing You can't stop no matter how you try You just take a deep breath And you close your eyes And another day goes by And before you know it Tomorrow is yesterday